the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about The Walking Dead. What's the investment angle on that? It's content. Sometimes content is king, and sometimes it's the delivery service that is king. So um, companies like Facebook, you provide the content for free, and they dev- they have the delivery mechanism. You see a company like AMC, that's content that's expensive. It's not free. And then you have a company like you know AMC that gets paid a, subscribe- a subscription fee from cable companies that you ultimately have in that monthly bill. It's complicated. But you need to start thinking things like that. So even The Walking Dead can be a publicly traded uh, company concept. Coming back to, you know, February 14th with an all-new bad guy. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's Negan. We know that. But I'm not going to tell you who Negan is. Isn't the bad guy the zombie? No! That's the <laughs> whole point of the show. The Walking Dead aren't... The, the Walking Dead are humans, Chad. You and I are just... We're walking towards our death right now. We're... Some of us aren't even living. I, I can't remember the last time I, I smiled. It's getting deep. Yeah. I know comic books, um, graphic novels are, are very deep concepts. Yeah. So they're not the comic books of our childhood. So remember Woody Woodpecker? Did you grow up with Woody Woodpecker or not at all? Am I older than you by a lot? Am I showing my age? You're only like, what, five years older than me? Yeah, but do you remember cartoons? Yeah, you absolutely. Okay. Do you remember Woody Woodpecker? Yep. No social redeeming value in the world. <laughs> Those old cartoons were just plain violent. Uh, Wiley Coyote. Yeah. I always wanted the coyote to get the the um, Roadrunner. I always wanted Tom to eat the mouse. Um, I, I think I think I was pulling for the antihero before it was cool to pull for the antihero. I think okay. the coyote was the terrorist that was always doing it the wrong way because he was always planting bombs. Yeah. And then went back to the bomb and it blew up in his face. You know, I mean, as kids, we were watching cartoons shoot each other with shotguns and their their heads would come back, which is really odd. <laughs> Thinking back. The thing that I learned about the coyote was that you should always read the instruction manual. He would never read the instruction manual and then he'd make something that would blow up on him instead of blowing up on the Roadrunner. So to this day, I read the instruction manual through and through. So Even from Ikea? I mean, come on. Oh, I, I scan the whole 100 steps before I do step one. So where in the manual does it say you're going to end up with 15 extra parts? The record chat. I don't shop at Ikea. <laughs> Poor people shop at Ikea. Ooh. <laughs> Send your emails to rob at... <laughs> Chocolatesauce.com. So it's CFP Chad Burton. He's in town. We'll be doing an event tonight. Um, not at Ikea, but close. The we city has... Been in there. We should just show up one day and do one there and see if they notice. A lot of people play games. Just use their furniture. A lot of people play games at IKEA. So, um, like a hide and seek. Like a hide and seek, yeah, things like that. So <laughs> kick the can. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> Take a nap on IKEA furniture inside the store. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. But you and I will be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Palo Alto does f- feature at IKEA, but we will not be at Palo Alto IKEA. That's the east side of the highway. We're on the west side of the highway at the Elks Lodge. It's going to be 6.30 to 9. It's income and retirement. 
Which is kind of interesting because, um, you know, you and I, we, we do this concept chat where I call it, you know, I handle the wealth creation, you handle the wealth management. Yeah. Um, but some people in retirement still need wealth creation and not necessarily wealth management. They, they still need, you know, some opportunity to grow their assets. Um, we should do a yeah. growing your assets when you're 65, 70, because right now you're, you'd be scared out of your mind if you were growing your assets in your retirement age because you don't have a lot of time to recover. And I, just to put it out there, I, I think my estimate is about 70% of the people show up to this event thinking that they're going to retire in the next 10 years or they're even already retired, realizing they don't have enough. It should, it should almost be renamed lack of income and retirement versus income and retirement. Because when I first got into business and we could ladder bond portfolios and have stocks and some CDs and safe money and things like that, for the first several years, you could live off of your interest. You could draw a 4% yield between your bonds and your stocks um, and that hit that 4% draw rate that was created in the 90s. Now to get the 4%, you're going to be pulling some of your principal at the same time as your interest. So the way that you construct a portfolio, how much safe money you have, how you turn on the tap for dividends and interest, and then how you rebalance. I mean, look at the stock market last year. We we corrected to this level right now twice last year and then only to rally up. So rebalancing and then peeling gains back when you rally is is important, especially going through a year like this, because looking at very low interest rates, you can say like the Jeremy Siegel argument to valuation, saying the 14 to 18 range is it is warranted because it's comparing it to low interest rates. So that's where investors want to go. An 18 PE ratio in a normal environment, Rob, is way too expensive. But right now, there's a lot of staples, consumer staple stocks that are trading over that number because of interest rates. So um, you, you kind of have to be vigilant on the portfolio and look to rebalance, not only on taking advantage of dips like we have now and rebalancing, but then as soon as it goes back up, and as, if you're risk tolerant, if you're, portfolio, let's say you have 60% stocks and it goes to 70, it's time to peel that 10% off the table and go back to your risk tolerance. Oil today soared on news that a Russian official talked with a Saudi official in Saudi Arabia and said, yeah, maybe we do a 5% cut across all countries that produce oil and oil soared on that news. So we can go from a brutal market, <clears throat> a brutal January to a glorious February. And that's the thing that I, I think bothers me the most, Chad. Is when things get tough, people panic. I've gotten more emails recently from people who are like, um, I want out of the market. Um, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I'm 77 years old. And, you know, now should I sell my. And it, what stinks is they're selling it. They want to sell at lows. Yeah. Um, they weren't asking it's questions. It's the same people, it. too, that were like, I think that I think the market's doing pretty well. Um, and this was early 2014. You know, maybe we should become a little bit more aggressive because things look pretty good. And those are the same people that end up calling and saying, oh, I'm scared. We should get out. My portfolio, the market's getting cremated. A 7% decline is not cremated. Yeah. A 20% decline, which many stocks out there have already hit, many financials, industrials, util- uh, not utilities, but uh, material stocks. I mean, there's some that are down 30 40%, um, which you know I look at as potential bargains for the next three to five years. What's kind of interesting um, on that you know down market a lot of my friends get concerned for my health when there's a down market. And, like, I don't care about a down market. Like, it doesn't personally affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't personally affect anyone. But my friends come out of the woodwork and I'm like, you okay? And I'm like, it's just down 200. It's not bad. You know, seven out of ten years, we've had seven, six good ones, one sideways. I can have a bad year or two. Yeah. So. But, look, I mean, if... Post-World War II, we've had a recession every six and a half years. Does that mean we're a little overdue for one? Yeah, I, I think so. If you have a plan in place in retirement where you have three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash, you have a plan on how you take your dividends and interest, you've got some bond alternatives in there, that's the whole point of the cash is to make sure that you don't have to sell when the market is correcting and you can hang in there and collect some dividends. And make sure you stick with companies that are still increasing their dividends even during recessionary times. Um, this is nothing like 2009, where March of 2009, we did a call with clients saying, look, a lot of companies are down 15% on revenue because of a global recession, but their stocks are down 40%. That's not, it, it, it's overdone at this point. Sure enough, March of 2009 was pretty much the bottom. And, uh, you know, are there bubbles out there? I think there's starting to be bubbles in some real estate areas and also, um, 
there's going to be a lot of oil companies that will go under, one of the smaller ones. But, um, you know, there's things we're looking at, some potential black swans. But other than that, it's just a slow growth environment. Coming up, we're going to be talking paying off mortgages, the right bonds right now, investment for retirement for blended families. But you can meet CFP Chad Burton and myself tonight in Palo Alto, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning tonight, 630. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Wasting all this time is weighing on my conscience Feeling done again, feeling I can't shake Think I'm finally awake I'd rather do it right than make it be a fake I know that dreams come true But I never thought that I would have to leave you You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money On AM 1220 KDOW I'm Ron Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I think I'm too practical about money. Tell me if I'm if that's the case, Chad. Um, I just I know someone recently got hair plugs, and I was learning all about hair plugs. Do you know that hair plugs fall out after like three months, but they've taken basically root at that point in time and they grow back? Really? So I, you're telling me I only have like a six month process to go through? It's it's a process. Because I'm down with it. My, my hairline, it's it's pulling back, man. I'm, would you ever do that? Because practically to me, I'd be like, you know, I, I I would only because I have a a weird shaped skull and I'm not gonna look good bald and and I will be bald someday. Okay. So yeah, I I wouldn't. I'm not gonna rule it out. Fascinating. So. <laughs> Wayne Rooney did it, and his looked great, but I've seen some that just look bad and. See when you're when you're ninety, uh, I, I don't want the full head of hair. So no, it's always interesting to see those older guys with like, and, and the hairline is like way down on their forehead. There's like two inches between their eyebrows and their hairline, and it's uh-huh. you're a lucky old guy. But practically speaking, like I'm not a female, but I, like breast augmentation, I don't get it. You know, I'd, I'd rather be skinny. I'd rather like say I'm going to spend my time at the gym and get thin. As a man or as a woman, I don't want to change my body for five thousand, six thousand, ten thousand dollars. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, you can't judge though because you are not a female. You haven't given birth, and you don't know how it affects your body. But <laughs> you know, some do plug. well, and some don't. Hair plugs. I, I clearly don't have a full head of hair like I used to. Yeah, but you have a round skull, so you, you'll be fine, bald, right? Okay. I've got, uh, I didn't, I didn't like know there was this much conversation to be had with this dorsal fin going on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so and it doesn't make me swim faster. Okay, have you had plugs yet? No. Have you Does it at, look like I've had plugs? Ha, have you looked into it? <laughs> no, I'm just gonna go. First, I'm gonna try the Trump do. Okay. Just comb it over from my left ear, swirl it, and then back around. I'm with you on that. Not that I've been practicing. So <laughs> you and I are gonna be together tonight, um, Palo Alto Elks Lodge, and you can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. Um, one of the issues that we have to talk about is paying off a mortgage in retirement because uh, your income is no longer growing. So that three to four five percent mortgage interest that you're paying, it kind of saps some of your your purchasing power. Good idea or bad idea to pay off a mortgage in retirement? Well, first of all, it used to be a non-issue. It used to be a bad use of money because you could turn around and invest in California tax-free bonds, get some long-term bonds, and usually come out ahead of the net cost of your mortgage. It's not the case anymore because the the bond funds that I like are more of the intermediate term range. I do not like short, short-term bonds because those are the ones that go negative when the Fed increases rates. And there's a lot of money that still flows into the longer-term bonds. So it's right in the middle as a sweet spot. And those are still yielding only about 3%. So it's hard to get that, yeah, I'll buy bonds right now with the threat of rates going higher versus pay off the mortgage. Um, so for the first time over the last couple of years, like I've mentioned to you before, we have had people – Hey, I've got extra money. I already have enough stocks. I need bonds. Well, in this case, why don't we just get rid of your mortgage and you'll have less cash outflow in retirement, especially if a person's 15 years into a 30-year mortgage. They're not paying much interest anymore at all. Or if you, even if you're like six or seven years into a 15-year mortgage, you're still you're, you're, the amount of interest that you're paying and the, the interest deduction goes down quite a bit. So, yeah, a lot of people, if they're you know on track for retirement and they have some extra money to put away, but... They don't need any more stocks. They just need fixed income to start changing their portfolio to a retirement portfolio in the next 10 years. Maybe accelerating your mortgage is a good idea. And the last, Rob, you're going to move. 
it's so much risk to stuff extra money into your home when you know you're going to sell it and move because of earthquakes and because of a ton of, for example, Chinese currency. You know, Wealthy Chinese are trying to get currency out of China because the yuan will continue to devalue. Everybody's been calling for it for years. So they're trying to diversify their assets. That's why you have so much uh, uh, buying in real estate. Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, a lot of this money coming in is uh, is Chinese money, Chinese people trying to diversify their assets. Someday that's going to end. And there's certain parts that are becoming a bit bubbleistic in my it, doesn't it feel a little bit like 2006 minus the loans it's like it, it, these central banks around the world continue to create these bubbles for us sure and I, and I'm really tired of it i hope that we start to break away from that in 2016 oh, my home's really up, tired of my it. home's up $600,000 i'm not tired of it keep doing it yeah but keep nobody around the country would pay what your home is worth unless they have dumb money from san francisco exactly you know what i mean it's your prices are ridiculous so I, I agree. Um, and, and so that when you're in, in when you're in a very expensive area like this, there is that extra risk that hey, yeah, you could stuff the money in the walls of the house, but if you're going to sell it and move because it's part of your retirement plan, that's way too much risk. So don't even think about it if you if unless you've done a financial plan and you know that you can no matter what happens to your house, your house could fall fifty sixty percent in value, and you're still going to be okay in retirement. But if part of your retirement plan is no, you know, by eighty you're going to have to sell your home and move into assisted living or something else or out of the state to be able to afford to live, don't do it because that's a lot of risk. You know the term unicorn, right? So, yeah, I'm sick of it, but, yeah, I get it. So you tie unicorn with higher real estate prices. Mm-hmm. So what I've done to piss off my neighbors because I like pissing off my neighbors is I have two donkeys now. <laughs> so some, some of my neighbors have chickens. So who's the ass then? So some of the neighbors have chickens, and that's kind of annoying because chickens are dirty, foul animals that crap everywhere. But I've got two donkeys, and what I've done is I've, I've glued plungers to their heads. They kind of look like a unicorn. Have you told their, your kids they're ponies? Yeah. They, so they think Dad got them a pony. Exactly. <laughs> they're, don- they're, they're unicorns. So you're confusing your children, and you're pissing off your neighbors. It's a donkey it's with a plunger on its head, and I call it a unicorn. <laughs> Did you name one Uber and the other one Lyft? <laughs> That's, that whole story is made up, by the way. I don't have donkeys. Well, so, I'm going to get some now. That's actually <laughs> an amazing idea. Donkeys with plungers not stuck on their head. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Where do yeah. we go from there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uber and Lyft. Yep. Oh, Uber. That's a fascinating company to watch. Just yeah. the amount of disruption they're, they're creating. Oh, and, you know, how to just change logistics and go into, you know, that, that technology is going to go into everything we know about. Pretty, pretty amazing. Now, valuations are stupid, though. I mean, there there is some. I think there's some bubbles going on in private equity that's already starting to fade out just because of slower investments into it. I think there's some bubbles in real estate out there, um, but I don't think they're going to pop like they did in you know 2007 through nine. I think just flatten out for a while because it's not where the where the bubble occurred because of leverage is in the oil industry, and that's obviously popping right now. Um, but it's caused all sorts of currency issues and things like that. I think we just want to get central banks out of this. The central bank, Federal Reserve is supposed to deal with inflation, not prop up the equity market. Come meet Chad Licious tonight. I'm going to bring my donkeys who have unicorns stuck to their head, and they've actually got one eye, so they wear eye patches, both of them. (laughs) Tonight you can come meet these wonderful beasts in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar with Chad Licious and myself. Uh, Michelle Lerman, you can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's a real solid event. And you know, Chad and I will goof around about unicorns, but in the end, you won't find better financial information than what we give out. The 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning Seminar tonight in Palo Alto. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Hope you're well. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. How are you, Mr. Siaccia? Good, Rob. How are you doing this Thursday? Doing well. What a weird week. Or not a weird week. What a what a week. Um, seeing Apple slumping while Facebook rock and rolls. Has the torch been passed from one tech company to the other as far as market leaders, in your opinion? Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to see the way the market's reacting uh, to Apple, which most people will take a look at and say, oh, Apple had the most profitable quarter ever. It sold, you know, nearly 75 million iPhones. What people are forgetting is that, you know, that even though 75 million iPhones is a lot, it's only 300,000 or, you know, a little less than 75 million. It's only 300,000 less um, than what they sold last year. And the March guidance um, implies a fairly sizable iPhone decline, which, um, you know, Tim Cook and Apple, you know, admitted to on, on the conference call. So it seems like, you know, Apple investors are, you know, kind of wondering where the next big hit is coming from from the company, whether that's, you know, the TV streaming service that we may or may not see, a car, which may or may not happen years down the line, um, the watch. I mean, I don't think anyone is expecting the watch to be as big a hit as the iPhone is, but it's clear that people were not really all that happy, um, you know, with the 6S and 6S Plus. And then you also have to wonder whether the smartphone market is, is um, you know, can handle any more high-end premium sales, um, which is where Apple really lies. But it looks like Apple has a lot of um, ways to go in the future. Like you said, they can lower the price of the phones, probably sell more of them that way. Um, there's innovation that they can continue to do. They've got an R&D budget that they can you know, shave money off of. They're trading at nine times next year's earnings, which is pretty ludicrous. But that basically makes them an old tech company, kind of like a Cisco, kind of like an Intel, kind of like a Microsoft. Um, I'd say even worse than that. Um, there's no valuation being put on it, Chris. No, Apple's not getting any credit right now from the market for its services business, which you know software generally has a higher earnings multiple than hardware, simply because as something you mentioned before, where you can have you know this great product, but then somebody comes out with a, a similar product and undercuts you on, on the price. Um, you really can't do that with software and services, but the so- software and services business, even though you know it's you know, roughly a 20 to $25 billion annual business for Apple, that pales in comparison to, uh, to the iPad and especially the iPhone, which last year did over $150 billion in sales for Apple. And you know, right now the market just doesn't care um, about that business, and you know the market is fickle, as you and I both know, and you know maybe they cha- that changes six to nine months down the line, but it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. So, anything else you want to add on Apple, or should we move on to Facebook? Yeah, I think probably the, the one thing that I would add, you know, if I was an investor in Apple, um, you know, they seem to be working. You know, you mentioned their R and D budget. Um, they've gotten some patents recently, or and they've updated patents on uh, virtual reality. And I just wrote a piece today for thestreet.com that went out, um, you know, on their plans in you know virtual reality. You know, you see Oculus Rift headset coming out. Um, Microsoft's talked about their Hololens, and we'll see whether Apple really goes that route. Um, but Tim Cook didn't exactly deny it. Um, you know, when he was asked his thoughts on virtual reality on the conference call. So whether that's the next big platform for Apple remains to be seen, but it seems like at least Apple's at least looking into it. If it is going to be the next platform, is the platform going to start with gamers? Or what is the pla- where does the platform start? Because I, I'm not seeing a demand for virtual reality in my life or any of my friends who are all 40-plus years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most platforms probably start with gamers just because they seem to generally be among a group that's the first adopters. But once you get away from, from gaming, then you have content, you know, like 3D movies, things like that. It's really um, uh, been a big hit with education, particularly Google Cardboard. We wrote a story here last week on the street um, talking about how Google Cardboard has, you know, really helped 
um, the education market because it's so cheap and because Google is actually putting time, effort, and money into, uh, into backing the platform for education. And then you have something that's called augmented reality, which is probably going to be bigger than virtual reality. And what that is is images that actually pop up out of devices, whether that's a phone or a tablet or something, and it's sort of like an open um, area. So you're actually seeing multiple people can see the image at the same time, and it can be manipulated, whereas virtual reality, it's generally just done in a headset, and it's a pretty closed environment. So, I, you know, everyone that I've talked to seems to think that augmented reality is going to be multiple times the size of virtual reality, but given the fact that over the holidays, you know, the Samsung Gear was a v, or Gear VR was a big hit um, on Amazon, and this Oculus Rift that Facebook owns, uh, the headsets, you know, back ordered until July. You know, it seems like there's a lot of interest, at least right now, for virtual reality. Changing topics to Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg is a happy man today. His fortune rose five and a half billion dollars by the time the stock closed last night to where it opened today. He's climbing the wealthiest people in the world list, um, sitting now at $47 billion. Not too bad of a 24-hour period for him, I'd say. Facebook, um, it's kind of one of those guilty pleasures. And, you know, it, it's got the eyeballs. You can compare it to television. It's got the advertisers. It's got a lot of financial discipline at the company at this point in time. Um, what's your thoughts on the Facebook quarter? There, I only have one word for Facebook, monster. They are just an absolute monster. Um, when it comes to Facebook and when it comes to advertising, you know you saw revenue growth accelerating. Uh, the average person now in the U.S. and Canada is now worth forty dollars um, to Facebook. That's how much you know the average revenue f- uh, Facebook generates per person in the U.S. and Canada, and they're not seeing any changes to the environment in 2016, which is something that Apple talked about on its conference call. Uh, it seems like it's full steam ahead for Facebook, and unless things get so bad around the globe that we go into a really sharp recession or even you know something worse than that, it seems like it's full speed ahead for Facebook. So the billions of dollars that Facebook made, are they starting to get to that level that it's going to be tough to improve on that, or are they just at the beginning of their leverage cycle on their profits? It's a little bit of both. They mentioned that next year is probably going to be a little bit tougher than it was this year just because 2015 was such a strong year for them. But given the fact that they have additional levers to pull, you know, we were just starting to see Instagram ramping up. Um, and there is some, you know, overlap in spending between Instagram and Facebook. But, you know, Sheryl Sandberg talked about it on the calls, said that 98 of the top 100 advertisers on Facebook also in- advertise on Instagram. So you have that coming. You have Oculus, which really nobody really knows exactly how big it's going to be. And then you have the two big platforms, Messenger and WhatsApp, which have really yet to be monetized. And it seems like we're just about to get to uh, to the point where those businesses are, are going to, or those parts of Facebook are going to really start to turn on the revenue engines and, uh, and lead growth higher. Anything else that we want to talk about with Facebook, Chris? You know, I think if you're an investor in Facebook, given, you know, the the action in the market today, I think you have to be pretty happy. And I think, you know, you're going to see Facebook probably trade higher. Um, like I said, you know, all things considered, assuming, you know, the, the, the world economy doesn't collapse, I think you'll probably see Facebook higher from, you know, a year from now or even probably less than that. Yeah, it trades at 90, where is it at? $106 a share today. Uh, two-week range of 110, so it's just a little bit off that. Not at an all-time high, but pretty close. Pretty high valuation at this point in time. $300 billion company, but it seems that they have, you know, a lot like Netflix. They've got a global audience. Netflix has a global audience that ABC, NBC, CBS doesn't have. That it's it's tough to compare these companies. Um, thanks for joining me, Chris. Thanks, Rob. It's Chris Siachi at uh, com. Uh, tech editor for the street.com, CFB Chad Burton. Any thoughts on Facebook? Uh, just as a personal aside, like, do you use it? Do you like it? Do you still like it as much? Do you use it less? Um, no, I use it. But you know, use it to uh, post pictures of my kids. Okay. <laughs> I'm that guy. Uh, no, it, it's actually nice because it's, it's really fun to see. Um, you want a funny story? Go ahead. We, 
we were reminded that it was our anniversary. January has gone so fast that the other day a picture popped up and it said, you know, X number of years ago today, here's what you were doing. And January had gone by so fast. Um, you know, my wife's expecting with baby number four. So it's been very, very busy. We, we almost forgot about our anniversary being that week unless Facebook would have reminded us. Isn't that kind of weird? Mm, it's kind of sad. It's huh? not a funny story. It's kind of sad. Not a funny story. My producer says not funny. No, I wouldn't say funny. Let's say let's just say sad. <laughs> but I, I, where I get sick of it is I that, would say anniversary is sad. <laughs> where I, where I get sick of it is just that that uh, you know walk into a, a room of teenagers that are hanging out and everybody's on their phone, or walk into a bar when everybody's on their phone. Yeah, it's... and they're checking Facebook when they're actually with their real life friends that they can touch. And that's what just irritates the you know what out of me. It's funny because I do a lot of media, a lot of media. So I have to read story after story after story. And one of the stories, and I think it was the Wall Street Journal, was recently about a girl was on a Tinder date, and she was you know looking at Tinder while on a Tinder date. So that she was that trying, one wasn't going well. <laughs> she, she was trying to set up her next Tinder date. Like even in the reality, people don't even want to be in the real world. Even when they use something like Tinder to set up a date, it's just mind-boggling how uh, addicting these items are. Big event tomorrow night, or tonight, big event tonight in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Trust me. Sneaks in in Jungle Book. It's been in a couple Disney films with a whole snake trusting thing um it's also in aladdin and someone sent me an email saying you know you keep saying that trust me is from the jungle book but it was in aladdin it's just i'm older than you and i saw the jungle book he was in jungle book first and it was the snake um 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air um opec delegates say no plan for meeting after russian floats talks so there's rumors today that sent oil skyrocketing higher, uh, telling it that it's kind of tightly wound that trade. Um, it could snap at any point in time a little bit higher. Facebook shares are big winners today in large part because Facebook had a monstrously strong quarter. Um, congratulations to Facebook and, and what they're doing, um, Menlo Park Company. And they seem to cut back a little bit on their spending, which was pretty interesting because they told us they were going to spend a lot of money this year. And they've already started cutting back on it, but that doesn't mean that they'll do that in the future. But at what point in time does that company just stop and print money? When do they not need the engineers? Um, one of the things I like about them is they're always looking for the next billion people. It's, it's a big concept. And again, uh, tied towards Netflix, uh, the ABCs, the NBCs, the CBSs, they're constrained to the United States and the FCC. Uh, we're learning that Netflix and Facebook aren't. So, and those eyeball differentials are pretty powerful. So Facebook sits up today 13% for a $300 billion company. That's a huge move. Stocks today did respond to oil prices as oil strengthened. Stocks shot out of the the, uh, open like a cannon. But as oil pulled back, learning that it's only rumors that Russia and Saudi Arabia have talked about a 5% cut, oil's come back down, and guess what? The stock market's come with it. This is one of those years that if you were to write about it, in hindsight, it makes all the sense in the world. But if you were to try to predict it, you would never have predicted that as oil goes, so goes the stock market. Um, just crazy, the correlation this year with oil and the stock market. Tonight, I'm going to be doing an event live with CFP Chad Burton. We're going to be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com at 6 to 9.30, or 6.30 to 9, excuse me. Um, Elks Lodge, good location, great parking, so... 
not a lot of great restaurants around it. But, uh, um, eat before you come and then have some wine and cheese. Me and Chad, and uh, let's talk about income and retirement. We've talked about paying off a mortgage. We've have we talked enough about bonds, Chad? Because um, gosh, bonds are bonds are interesting. I mean, it it, it is one thing that you know, there's all this talk or fears of a recession in 2016, and one of the things that you almost always have, um, if not every single time, is that inverted yield curve as you go into a recession. Okay. Where you know you have the the difference between a short-term bond and a long-term bond, say a two to five-year treasury versus a ten or thirty, that flattens and eventually goes inverted um, because people are piling into short-term safety to be stu- to to be safe so that um, you know they're they're sheltered going through a recession, let's say. Which is a little bit silly, just because you could still, assuming that we go through a recession every six and a half, seven years, you could put your money into really good companies that continue to pay dividends and increase their dividends that period of time, because you never know when the bottom is. Nobody can guess the bottom. The most fearful time ever to invest, but the best time to invest since I've been alive was 2009. And people weren't clamoring to get in. People were still trying to get out at that period of time. Some other great times to invest was when... George Bush invaded Iraq the first time, and then George Bush Jr. invades Iraq. When 9-11 occurred, a lot of times the best time to invest is when markets are getting murder-related. Right. Um, or the headline news is horrible. Um, <laughs> Let's face it. I mean, oil, low oil prices are good overall for everybody except oil companies and except geopolitical issues. So right now, the concerns why the market is selling off is like, okay, I, oil can cause war <laughs> because people get upset about low prices. And it's really tough on emerging markets. Um, overall, the U.S. economy, 70% consumer, and that consumer is going to benefit from that. So um, the oil prices have done the job of you know, three rate increases from the, fret, from the Fed. Uh, and I'm going to disagree, only because I think arguments need to be left open sometimes, not definitive. Um, I think low oil prices are a problem. Um, you know, just ask Tim Cook. Uh, you know, Brazil and Russia, they have to pay 50% more year over year for phones if they want an Apple phone because of the currency devaluation that they've hit. So I'm not a big fan of that blanket statement that oil is cheap oil is good because I'm kind of Goldilocks. I want everyone to do well. I think the Goldilocks is, you know, 40 bucks a barrel. That's yeah. probably the Goldilocks price where everything settles down and, and we're okay, but I think we'd Likely to see 20 or 25 before we see that, but who knows? I could be totally wrong. We could see 60. We could see 15. Who knows? It's pretty it's, surreal. It's all over the place. It's surreal to me that we're talking about Texas tea as much as we are yep. and um, the price of it. Um, it's probably as cheap as it's going to get in California, about 260 um, because we got about a buck and so in taxes and taxes, <laughs> so to mm. put it lightly. Right. Um, and we've got refinery issues where we've cut down our number of refineries in the state of California. We have no pipelines, uh, which is upsetting to say the least. Let's change the topic ever so slightly. Under Armour. Um, you're you're an Oregon guy, right? Which means you're a Blazer fan. Yep. What teams outside of the Bay Area think of, or what do fans of teams outside the Bay Area think of Steph Curry and the, the Warriors? Does it make the game less enjoyable for you, knowing that you're not going to get past them? No, not at all. I mean, because I've... I've Golden State's been kind of my second team for a long period of time because okay. I think it was about five or six years ago. They ended up with a lot of former Blazers on their team, okay. um, and I've been watching them ever since. I love those young up-and-coming teams where you watch them play, and it's almost more closer to watching college hoops versus NBA slow basketball. I'd agree with that. So, um, no, I've been, I, think, uh, I think Golden State's a, high, <clears throat> excuse me, a highly respected team in the NBA and across the country. I bring up Golden State in large part because of Steph Curry. And he signed with Under Armour. <clears throat> and then Jordan Spieth, who won a couple of golf championships last year with Under Armour. And then they also have a guy who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl next week, Cam Newton, signed with Under Armour. Mm-hmm. Those three people are just juggernauts in sports right now. And that shows you how not maybe lucky Under Armour got, but they got them all pretty cheap, all things considered. Um, but that goes up against Nike and, like, what I find fascinating about this is you're kind of wearing athleisure right now, and it's probably Under Armour or Nike. It's probably something along those lines. Nike. Yep. Um, not going to go into business anytime soon. And they're both good investments, so you don't have to be right. Not, wait, let me correct that statement. They're not both good investments. They both have great long-term potential. And 
they should be able to deliver on it. If history is any indicator, history is not always an indicator, but uh, they seem to be, both be well positioned. And uh, Under Armour, holy mackerel, the home run with Steph Curry. So. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I have noticed though, shopping for kids that do like Nike and Under Armour. The Under Armour stuff has gotten really expensive. Um, the shoes versus picking up a cheaper pair of Nikes. You know what I mean? It's 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 gotten expensive, and I I wonder about their pricing power and and therefore the valuations as a result of that. I think maybe a Nike might have a little bit more weather the storm capabilities in the long run. Interesting to say that Under Armour's uh, up huge today, mm-hmm. up eighteen percent to eighty one dollars a share, well off its all time high of a uh, hundred plus. Um, but athleisure, um, teenagers and uh, following their trends and seniors and following their medication trends. Uh, any other trends that you look at as an investor or potential investor? Um, to me, it's technology and healthcare. I mean, the transition in a lot of technology stocks becoming more of the uh, dependable cash flow cows, you know, your cash cows that are out there, dividend achievers. Um, you've got companies like Cisco. I think their next dividend announcement should be sometime next month. Um, and if they have another increase, they would be considered a dividend achiever stock, for example. Um, so there's – versus where they were 10, 15 years ago when you and I first started doing radio in the Bay Area. Um, that's interesting, and I think healthcare. Healthcare is a big part of our economy because of our aging population. I think there's a lot of advancements in healthcare, just kind of science, technology, and all of those items coming together. I think it's a big play going forward. Mark Dan and I at TV yesterday were, as we did our spot on TV, a wire story hit that half the people in China are now on the internet, and um, that's all the that's all the wire story said, and you know that's a lot of people, and you're like. How many people does China have? So we had to look it up. 1.2 billion. So 600 million online. There's not even 600 million Americans yeah. in the United States. That's why you can't ignore China, and that's why you you want China to. You're kind of rooting for China on some levels. But at the same time, you know, people talk about the Shanghai Index yeah. as a that has nothing to do with how China is doing. Very few people actually invest in China. It's a very young index, the Shanghai Index. And from, like, mid-2014 to late-2015, it was up 100-some percent, 140%, and then down, like, 50, and really flat over year over year basis. It, it was – it's almost like the Shanghai got used as a place to gamble versus the average Chinese person, which the play on China is the consumer. It's not the stock market. So it's companies that can do well in China, companies like – I mean, look at Nike's stellar quarter in China. Apple had a pretty good quarter in China. Yep. I mean, it's slowing growth. They had, what, 14% revenue growth versus the year, the comparison year over year last quarter was something like 70%. Yeah. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We've got the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar tonight at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. You can sign up for the event from 630 to 9 at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Come on out, get an education, meet Chad and myself. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Come in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I know you have many, many, many options on the dial, as well as in the future apps. Um, so, yeah, that's something that scares AM radio and FM radio, the idea of a car that's connected to the Internet. Uh, there's some pretty popular podcasts out there. Mark Marone has one um, where you get some pretty interesting guests you got. President Barack Obama, a podcaster, got Barack Obama to sit in with him. So, new type of um, media, so to speak. Um, change of business models. So, 
with that said, every time you hear CBS, Viacom, uh, Disney, anytime you hear their executives talk now, they're very key to say, you know, hey, we may not have the primetime audience that we used to, but we do have people on DVR. We do have people on our apps and scenarios like that. So they're very concise in their, their way of making sure that you know um, that they're still open for business. CFP Chad Burton is with me here today talking, not really earnings season, although earnings season has kind of done its thing. It's not wildly shocking in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's not terribly upsetting. Stock market seems to be tied towards oil, in particular today. Again, conflicting reports regarding potential supply cuts has trimmed crude gains. If the Saudis do cut, oil moves higher. If oil moves higher, the market seems to, quote-unquote, move higher. Uh, but so far, Saudi Arabia has been reluctant to cut production because they make a lot of money on oil over $5 a barrel. Uh, December durable good orders declined 5.1%. That's something the Federal Reserve can't like. Although the Federal Reserve had a meeting yesterday they released the notes from that they're kind of saying, you know, we're still planning to rate, you know, to raise rates and to hike rates. And Wall Street didn't like that at the end of yesterday uh, because Wall Street's like, aren't you kind of paying attention to what has happened since the last time you did that? But in theory, the Fed should be thinking about the economy and not about the stock market. Um, if you exclude transport, durable orders decreased 1.2%. Strength day in energy, utilities, technology, weakness in healthcare and telecom. CFP Chad Burton is here. We'll be doing our event tonight, the income and retirement event in Palo Alto, first one of the year. Um, any thoughts on first one of the year? You know, it's n- not really. It doesn't really matter too much. <laughs> it's it's almost like when people were talking about January is the f- worst start of the year and how many years, you know, the market doesn't really care what month it is. Um, you know, I will say that if we get through the next six months and China settles down, oil settles down, the comparables for the Q3 and Q4 2016 are going to be a lot easier because in the, in the market, you're always comparing to the same quarter last year. And... Q3 and Q4 of 2015 were not pretty, and the earnings comparisons were not pretty because energy, that's when energy started to really get cremated. Um, so that's why you, you hear ideas of a better second half. It's really because of the comparables. Um, but the durable goods orders, it just shows that we're, we do have a slowdown, not necessarily a recession, but it's going to be a slow year. One of the things you want to talk about was blended families. What's your definition of a blended family, and why do we need to talk about it with a financial planner? Well, I think blended families are most families. And I think that, uh, you know, we get a lot of questions on, is the investing different? It's usually the estate plan that's different. So the investing can be the same. If um, Where investing can be way different is if there's a drastic age um, difference in a second or a third marriage. But where it comes into play is when you have kids from previous marriages and you come in and you say, okay, together while we're alive, our assets are for both of us. Yeah. But look, when when I pass away, I want my what what's left over in my half to go to my kids. And a lot of people need to realize that as soon as you get married, your spouse is your retirement account beneficiary, regardless of what your retirement account beneficiary form says. Um, and you can't sign off as part of the prenup or anything like that. You have to get married and then sign the forms waiving the right as a spouse to your retirement accounts. So that's one of the most important things that. If you are getting married in a blended family and you say, okay, look, you know, my assets, they're there to take care of both of us. And I'll even put some in a trust for you to take care of you while you're alive. But when I pass, it's going, whatever's left over is going to my kids. So proper beneficiary designations on your retirement accounts. And for the rest of your assets, trusts that you can leave it, um, uh, things like Q-tip trusts, not what you put in your ear, but it just, it's a definition that, uh, you used to say, this money is for you while you're alive, but whatever's left over is going to where I say it goes. Putting this in human terms, I have an ex that I didn't have any kids with. You have an ex that you had kids with. Um, put it in human terms, and let's just make it Hollywood. You don't want any of your money to go to that new guy she marries, because like in every Hollywood movie, he's going to end up marrying her for her money, and then he's going to kill her. <laughs> Get all the money, right? <laughs> so a wild imagination. Well, the Julia Roberts movie, Sleeping with Strangers or whatever it was, um, uh, that that guy would never go after her for the money if it was set up that it was in a trust that it would never go to him. Right. So, and uh, that's why, how you protect your children. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's silly to think that if you pass away at an early age and your spouse 
received your assets that they wouldn't get remarried. Um, and as soon as you're married, especially in a community property state, if you know you're trying to protect your kids, they're out of the picture. So even if you're not in a blended family, if you care a lot about making sure that if you passed away early, um, you want your spouse taken care of, but you also want to protect your creation of wealth for your children versus the person that your spouse chooses to remarry. That's that's where we're getting at here. What are you thinking about this whole Zika virus thing? Well, having a wife that's six months pregnant, it's a little scary. In fact, okay. we kind of, you know, checked travel the other day, just taking a short flight, just just to kind of see what what's going on, because there's cases, I guess, in Alabama, a couple of other areas. It, it's scary. There's one in California. Oh, great. So, that's, just so you know, nice. it's hit us. Um, I think it's hit six states already. I just wish it was a virus that went after old people. Not babies. We need to go after old Don't people. Don't offend old people to end the show. Say you're sorry. Meet us tonight, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, 639. Sign up right now, newfocusfinancial.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.